it's given me a lot of perspective. And honestly, if I had not done it, I would not have learned as much as I have. And I wouldn't have the insight I have. I wouldn't have the platform I have to share my thoughts on this to maybe help someone to avoid the mistakes I make or avoid like the gal you were talking about earlier, who's racked up her credit card because she thinks I need all these nice things. I need all the, the good stuff, which is great and beautiful. But what is more important? It's your peace and your sanity or looking cool on Instagram. Always ask why. Why is this the way it is? The whole goal is to rise the industry, to grow it. Yeah, don't worry about giving us credit, guys. We're not here for that. If it grows the industry, that's what makes me happy. When you first said it, I was going to hang up. (laughs) It's not a race you want to win. Yeah, you're going to lose because it'll be too cheap. You'll be working for like McDonald's money. Otto, Mitter, Andre, our show from Alibana. Thank you so much, guys, for having me on board. Okay, we'll take 20. I I can't do math. I'm a beauty professional. Yeah, Fanning, I do teeth whitening. I'm like, okay, there's some point where you got to draw a line. My biggest concern is longevity and making sure that you've got the best possible mechanical fit. If you're looking for a lash podcast that will challenge how you do lashes, build you up, and help you create a business that not only thrives, but allows you to live a life you're proud of, you've come to the right place. This is Lashcast. Your friend in the lash industry. Coming to you from the City of Roses, this is the broadcast by Lash Professionals and for Lash Professionals. Thank you for taking some time to hang out with us today. We have Mackenzie Graham coming on today with us. Who is she? Well, you probably have seen her. If you're on Instagram, you would know her on her page. It's Mackenzie G. She does some awesome content there. She also has a podcast called Talking Smack. She has a basically online training, Mac Lash Mob, and she has a salon too. And that's Mac Lash Brow and Bar. She has a lot going on, and we're excited to be able to hook up with her. She spoke at LashCon. We've gotten to know her the last couple of years, and she is a real treat. And today, we're just going to get to know her a little bit, but we're going to talk about her going from her solo business to when she hired staff, what she thought, thought was the next logical step, and really how she wasn't really prepared to be a salon owner. Like, it really was not an easy transition as it often isn't like we always love us aim high right we want to do something big and then once we get there we're like oh crap what do i do now well we're going to talk about that and then she's going to talk about owning a salon for two and a half years and she's going to share how much money she's made from her salon during that time and you'll be surprised by the answer yes we won't get it to now you have to wait and listen but it's really good also we want to talk about how she blew up on social media and what it actually led to which was burnout Mackenzie is one of those people that's open book, just shares all good, bad, and ugly. And it's what makes her so special because for you guys out there, I, I know there's a lot of stuff going online that everything looks perfect. Everything looks amazing. It's all curated, right? It's all there to make us either, well, they helped inspire us, but sometimes it makes us feel bad too, right? Because you're like, I'm not killing it like them. But that's all said. Mackenzie's one of those people that is like the big sister just comes alongside and says, hey, look at me. This is what I'm doing. But here's what I did right. Here's what I did wrong. And it's actually really quite enlightening and encouraging. You'll love this episode, I'm sure. Anyhow, before we get into that, as always, we have announcements. Whole bunch of things coming up real soon, guys. Like next week. 
If you're listening to this in the last, towards the end of December 19th through the 22nd, we're doing a LashCon flash sale. We're going for four days. We sell LashCon tickets. We basically have around 200 tickets sold, or a little less than half the VIP. So it is feasible. I don't think it'll happen, but it's feasible that VIPs could sell it next week. We'll see. We'll see. So anyhow, be looking for that. If you're on our email list, you'll get the email. If not, go to our Instagram and we'll post it there. And hopefully we will see you getting your ticket next week. And we'll see you in October 11th through the 14th in Anaheim, California. We also have our last cast clubhouse. Yes, we are finally launching. The enrollment will be starting on January 8th. So just after the new year. We'll probably be doing a couple things, lives, and just updates on what we're trying to do. And then on January 8th, you'll have like a week to sign up, get on board. So when we launch our beta in February, you'll be ready to go. And you'll start to be part of our little clubhouse that we've been wanting to do this for years. But really, and we'll explain why in more detail later, but we decided to keep the land because... We're really focused on delivering one great product, and that was LashCon. And once now that we feel like we've got a good grasp on that, now we're ready to add to other products or other things to serve you guys and help you guys. We didn't want to jump the gun and kind of half do it halfway. We really want to be able to put all our attention to make sure it's solid. So, and LashCon's up and going, and now we're ready to bring you Clubhouse. And that more details to come. We'll probably do an episode just beforehand in early January or late December. So more details on that. We also have, what else are we going to do? Well, January 22nd, Tustin and I will be in London teaching or speaking at the London Lash Conference. So if you want, look in the show notes. I'll have a link there. And hopefully we'll see you in London if you're in the UK or Europe or maybe you're in New York and you just want to fly over and hang out with us. That would be cool too. We also have our really our first of four. We're going to be speaking at the premiere show in Anaheim, February 4th through 5th. We're doing like a mini LashCon. At the premiere show, we did uh, two shows last year. We did Anaheim and we did was Orlando. We'll be at Orlando and Anaheim and also we'll be in San Antonio and then most likely Columbus, Ohio too. Now, the last two, Tustin and I will not be there because it's like a month before LashCon. So uh, these are more regional events. So if you're local there, hopefully in Ohio, Midwest, or down Texas, you can come and see the speakers we bring. They'll all be top-notch speakers, so don't worry about that. But Tustin and I may not be making those. But we will definitely be in Anaheim, and we'll also be in Orlando. That will be in June. We have an amazing lineup. We have Michelle Rath coming from Sinful Lashes. We have UL Rafferty from White Flamingo Lash. We have Michelle Wynn from PLA and Chris Carr from Last Guy Pro. All of a sudden, can't remember Chris's company. <laughs> Anyhow, all four of them will be there along with Tustany teaching you about lashes. So we really hope you will... If you're in the area, for sure. If you're in the Southern California area, definitely make uh, plans. Go to the link in the bio we have. Go buy your ticket. It's not that much. I think it's like 70 bucks if I remember. It's really affordable. And you get us for over two days, all these classes, plus the trade show. And hopefully, we will see you there. If not, don't worry. We'll be at other shows later this year, and we'll hopefully catch you at those. All right, that's all I have for announcements. Now, let's get into our episode where we sit down and talk to Mackenzie, really all about her journey as a last artist into salon ownership. Hey, Smart Cookies. So excited to have someone very special in, actually not in studio, but... Nope, not in studio. I like to say in the house, right? In the house, yes. In the house. 
house. Well, this is somebody that you know and love. She is, I feel like a celebrity in her own right. This is Maclash and Brow Bar and the owner of Maclash Mob. Welcome to the podcast, Mackenzie. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. I know I've given you a mouthful of things. Lots of Max. Max in the house. Kenzie Graham's in the house, or the as we Graham. now know, Kenzie. If you're a friend Kenzie of Kenzie G. Kenzie G. Yes. So anyhow, we're really excited to have you on. Been following you for years, and you blew up on Instagram. I think I don't know. It was three, four years ago now. Probably just right after COVID. It felt like. And it was really fun to watch your journey and see the impact you're making. And really, we're going to talk about some of the stuff, some of the, the, the ups and downs you've been through. Like, you're not really a closed book kind of person. Which I and, love. Which is very cool. And so we're going to get, like to get into all that. But in case someone doesn't know you, what we thought we'd start from the beginning, not when you're born, but how about we start with maybe what got you in the lashes, what got you in the industry, and then we'll, we'll go from there and get into some of this other fun stuff. I'll give you the very short snippet of this story. I went to college. I dropped out after 30 days oh, and gosh. I was, <laughs> I called my mom and I said, Hey, I unenrolled myself. I'm coming home today. And she was like, what? So confused, but that's a story for another time. And my mom and I were both getting our lashes done by this gal. And she was like, you should go to beauty school. Like you've always loved beauty. And my mom was like, Kenzie, this is your thing. Like you're, you've always been into makeup. You've always done this. I went to beauty school and I ended up bringing the gal who was my lash artist into the school to teach 24 people how to do lash extensions. <laughs> and she brought an wow. assistant. This was 2014. And there were not a ton, to my knowledge, like really knowledgeable classes that you could take. And I was really bad and I wanted to be really good. And so I just stuck with it. And it was so frustrating. There were a lot of mental breakdowns, a lot of crying, a lot of anxiety about being so bad with retention and over-promising and under-delivering to my clients. And so that I really struggled with. And from there, I just got better and better. I took more classes. I had those light bulb moments. And however, almost nine years later, I have a salon. I mainly focus on training. I have a team of seven lash artists and it's been a wild ride and like you said with lots of ups and lots of downs and i've always been very transparent about it because i think so many people want to do what i've done or what other people have done and they don't realize how much extra work goes into it or maybe it's not as profitable as you thought it would be or you think it's going to be one way and you don't think about all the extra things that you have to do when you do get to that next step or that next thing you thought you wanted. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm so excited to talk to you because one of the things that I find very refreshing about you is that you are an open book. You share the ups and the downs. You share the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And there's a lot of things that people aspire to be a lot in our industry. Like, oh, I want to have a salon. I want to be a trainer, that kind of thing. But there's some, I don't want to say a big price tickets that come with that, but we had disappointments. We had well, everything dis- in life you want. If you want something beyond just a simple work, a little job, even working, building a, a sole artist in the beginning, it takes a lot. Like you said, you were struggling, you were bad in the beginning, so you have to overcome. But even once you find that equilibrium, you're like, oh, okay, I'm good now. And then you start looking because everyone on Instagram seems to be slaying it with all these other things. You start feeling this pressure to do everything else. Like, what's wrong with me? Why, yeah. why am I not slaying Why aren't I it? satisfied doing my 30 clients a week or 20 clients a week? I have to do more. So people start feeling that. So for you, 
you went from being this baby lash artist. How long did it take, do you feel, to get from being just learning to where you actually had a good, a stable clientele and felt like you were doing, you were, okay, you're set and you're ready for the next adventure? So right out of beauty school, I worked for a salon for a year and we had a pretty good clientele there as far as like, we were never sitting there, not doing anything, twiddling our thumbs. They had, I mean, they were Groupon clients. So they were people who were paying nothing and they had the highest expectations out of anyone and mm. we couldn't do anything right. So it what that really did prep me to be ready for anything. And so I look back and I'm grateful for that period, even though I was making $8 an hour, I was oh. not, I was getting tipped like $2 and tips are not everything either. But I, at that point I was like, why, why, why even bother? Um, it's like paying so your dues. After, Yes. Oh my gosh. 100%. So after being there for a year, I went out on my own and this was in 2016 when I went out on my own and there were not a lot of lash artists in my area. So I lucked out because I went out and I passed my card out. I asked anyone who would let me talk to them stranger wise, if I could do a full set on them, a model work because I wanted, I mean, social media came around what 2010 and six years later it was people started using it for their businesses and I thought okay if I can build myself a portfolio people can see what I do and I started taking pictures of anyone that I could anyone that would let me lash them and I was fully booked within three months because I also lucked out by getting a sorority girl who wanted all of her sorority sisters because I was just not too far away from UW where they could come see me. And I was also charging $50 a fill. So it's very unrealistic to be fully booked right out of school after three months. Charging those prices, you might look out, but it's unrealistic to charge those prices now. I mean, I had no bills. I was still living at my parents' house. (laughs) My car was still my paid off car that my parents gave to me when I was 16. It was those are not prices that you could charge now. And most people who are going to school, maybe they have the luxury of living at home still. And maybe they're very young, like I was, or some other people, it's like, you have to put food on the table. You have bills that you need to do. And if this is a business you want, you cannot charge $50 for a fill. And I was also working six days a week, like 10 clients a day. So I was like, woo, like, I'm <laughs> no, honey. It's You're all rich. relative. I mean, that's living high on the hog. Well, better than $8 an hour, I'm guessing. Yeah. With $2 oh, tips. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, yeah, I- amazing but at the same time what you're saying well it's unrealistic i do think for a lot of people starting out where people are being told charge our worth and don't compromise your prices in the beginning it's like man when you're starting out it's you can't be talking like that i feel like in your case you got busy because you were affordable because you did have a low overhead and you made sure your costs were low and a lot of people when they get started get out of school i feel like they just want to get their own shop with their own place they go to a solo salon that charges them like sixteen hundred dollars a month and then they're going to get the nice bed from plush and oak and all of a sudden i mean i know one gal she has all this debt like she put everything on credit cards and now she's a slave to her credit card because now she has to work her butt off she can make those four or five hundred dollar payments because she put twenty thousand dollars worth of goods and supplies and all that it's really a hard way to go and a smarter way in this case like you did is man take advantage if, if you're young your parents or whatever you can to keep those costs down take advantage and hustle every time somebody asks you say yes that's what I did. You're scrapping, you're building your experience, you're taking advantage and you're thankful for that $50 fill. And then the other people that are demanding, clamoring to get in with your schedule. I mean, that's how you grow. Yeah. 
it's not long-term sustainable, but I think for a lot of people to realize you got to have, you have phases in your career, right? This is the early phase. This is when you pay your dues. This is when you, things cost a little bit more. Things are a little harder. You make a little less revenue. You're not going to be flying first class. And you're going to be sitting by pool sides unless it's someone's that you invade and take pictures of yourself. Hey, I'm working like people like to show. <laughs> it's like, that's not the reality. No, not at all. And I think hearing you back and say that, like, it's so true. And I feel like some students nowadays are like, I'm not working weekends. I'm going to start by charging this. And it's like, bro, like there's going to be a lot of time, energy, and effort, intentional effort that you need to put forth to get to that point. And how much work you're willing to put in is going to determine how quickly you're going to get to that next goal. So it does take time. When people say that to me, I'm like, that's great. And good luck with that. Good luck with that. Really, if you can do that. But beggars aren't choosers. If you don't have the demand for it, you can't set those boundaries out. You know what I mean? I mean, you can set the boundaries out, but it's just going to be harder. If you're an exceptional marketer, and you're coming from their field, you're like, oh, I can sell my services, no problem. You may be able to skip this because you're just really good at communicating to people through media uh, media and all that. But most lash artists are not exceptional marketers. They just copy and paste what everyone else is doing. They're just same, look like, taste like. And so it's going to take time. And you're going to have to really win people over through that word of mouth. And I know for us, we always tell people it'd be better to be doing two or three clients a day, making almost nothing and refining your skill because it's only going to take you a month or two to get to that point where your skills are really refined, not to expert level, but where you're competent and you're comfortable and you have that confidence in yourself. And then you can really, the word of mouth will spread versus charging, let's say you're new and you're like, I'm going to charge $300 for a new set. And you get like one person a week and you that means you only get one practice a week. And that means it's going to take you years to get busy because you've charged so much and you think so highly of yourself that maybe that one person likes you, but the word of mouth is going to spread very slowly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And that's something that I've noticed with my newer lash artists that I bring on. Like we run specials to get them in because I would rather have them obviously their commission in this scenario. And so I've let them know like, Hey, this is going to be less than what you will be making in the future. But to become a lash artist where you feel like, okay, I know how to troubleshoot myself a little bit better. Like I don't need you over my shoulder every two seconds where I'm asking you questions. And that's another thing as a salon owner, I didn't realize in the very beginning how much extra time and effort it came from me not taking clients to make sure that everyone else felt good because otherwise I was spending more time fixing things later on, which again, and that's just something I didn't really think about because I thought, Oh, I've trained you up. I've done a couple models with you. No. And that's something where I realized like, I need to make sure they feel good. And that's that conversation I had with them. And I said, if you're lashing exactly like you said, two people a day, four days a week, and you're taking longer and you're doing this, I would rather have you doing that. Both of us making a little less money to make sure that three months from now, four months from now, you feel super solid and you can charge that $300 for that set. Because I'm also guaranteeing the work that you're doing when that client leaves this door, because my name is on the door and that's really important to me. So that's something whenever I bring somebody on, we're like, we would way rather have you bring, because half the time my girls too, will ask me like, can I bring on my friend a free model just so I can practice? I'm like, yes, anyone you want to bring in, get them in here and I can help critique and move things around to make sure that you feel comfortable. That's great. Yeah. It's really important. And I think a lot of people that start or have a salon or want, want to don't 
consider the fact that just because you've trained them and you've worked with them for a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months, doesn't mean that it's going to be smooth sailing because they're entitled to make mistakes just like we did. And that's our job to mentor them, to coach them through, and also work with the client to make sure that the client's happy. So you do have to take time to coach and work with them. And that's one of those hidden costs in terms of time that you're not really prepared for. And if you only have your clientele, it becomes an irritation to you. If you're thinking, gosh, why can't I just get these people up and why can't they get going? It's going to be irritating to yeah. you. Yeah, right? you, you can start resenting your staff. <laughs> yeah. So you really have to be focused on growing the team. That has to be your focus. They, they when, come first. I always say yeah. team first, then clients. Actually, clients are secondary to my team because if I got that reverse and I started thinking about the clients first or just about the money first, the team would pick up on that and they would become resentful and they would not be happy with us. So that's a easy I, thing to mix up. I commend you, Mackenzie, because a lot of times people don't have the patience. They just like, why can't you get it? And they almost have an expectation for the staff that is unrealistic and unfair. It has to be a safe place to make mistakes because that's the only way that they can learn. And by you coming alongside and patiently explaining, that creates a, a wonderful environment. But you have to consider the cost before you start. I was going to get into one thing I thought would be great to talk about is since we're talking about Sloan ownership, and I think salon ownership is something that a lot of people I know want to get into. It's like, there's all these choices. You got busy. Most people say, you know what? If you're happy where you're at, maybe learn just because to enjoy just doing lashes. And it's a great career and you can do it. I promise you, it's a career you can do for 20, 30 years. Tasha's been doing it for almost 20 now. It's not a two or three year stint. And then you have to be something else. You can be a But for those who, and there are a lot who really go, oh, I really want to own the salon one day. You made that step. When did that happen after you said you went on your own? You got busy within a few months. Was it always something you wanted to do or was it a natural progression or, or what led to the, you finally decided to open up your own salon? So I was solo in a solo salon style place. It was not called that, but it was something else a little bit north of where I am now. I was there until 2019 until I had a girl reach out to me and say, are you hiring? Like, I'm really interested. I'm working at a salon right now. I don't love it. The owners aren't lash artists. I feel rushed. I feel this, mm. that, and the other. And I thought, you know what? I'm so dang busy. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, I could use a little break. Like, I could bring someone on. And I actually ended up hiring two people right away. And I was in a small space. I had two beds in that room already because I was doing small two-on-one trainings. So I hired two employees and I thought, oh man, we got to get into bigger space. I can't alternate the schedule like this forever. And it was always a goal of mine to get into a bigger space. For me, I wanted to just for training purposes to be able to do small group classes and have a little bit more room for content purposes and so on and so forth. And I think it was more so me seeing so many people on Instagram do that progression where they're solo and then they hire their first person or they're training and then they hire their first person and then they get into a salon and have this beautiful storefront and it's, it looks amazing and then after that they start a product line or whatever that <laughs> progression ends yeah. up looking like for a different person and so i thought oh this is my next step like it's all laid out for me this is exactly what i'm supposed to do as a lash artist and i would not have done it had i known the work that is required to create a profitable salon be there for your employees, how much time it actually takes and how you have to step away from other things to make sure your employees feel comfortable 
and good and make sure all of their questions are answered. And to piggyback off of something Tuss said, if I had not been such a bad lash artist in the beginning, I think I would have had no patience for this. <laughs> <But> because <laughs> I was so bad, I looked at it like when I tell my employees and I tell my students this, every single mistake that you make today or you make tomorrow, you make next year, I've made them 10 times over. I've been in the industry for almost 10 years. I've made all of these mistakes over and over and over again. Like, just know you're going to get on the other end of it. If you know the variables to look for and pay attention to, to not make those mistakes in the future, like you're going to get there. It just takes time. Like be patient. Cause and I think because I had to give myself grace, it's a lot easier for me to give them grace. But yes, with the salon, it's, it, it truly, honestly, and I've told my employees this too. So we joke about it. I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't have done this. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a lot of work. Because I look at it too. And like you said, you may start resenting your employees. It wasn't that for me. I went into a depressive and an anxious state because I was letting them down because I wasn't available to them to help them. And I have always looked at myself as like, I'm the servant to others. That's where I get most of my joy from. Like when I'm doing my trainings, although they are so exhausting (laughs) and I am like really on it to make sure that they feel like they've gotten every single penny's worth. That's where I'm most excited. Cause I'm like, let me download my brain into yours. So you don't have to struggle like I struggled. And I think that's why I've been as transparent as possible about salon ownership, because it's not something that I would wish on anyone who doesn't want to go through it, who doesn't want to have to do all that stuff. Yeah, we should start a club. Well, what were the big surprises? Because obviously you you hired some people and then you moved into the space. What were you not prepared for? Was it just the amount of work? Was it the time? Was it the attention? What is your expectations versus reality um, conflict, I guess? Exactly like we've been talking about. I think part of my expectations were like, okay, I'm still allowed to have my full clientele that I love seeing. And I was actually doing permanent makeup 50% of the time and lashes 50% of the time. And so on my own, I made really good money (laughs) and my small space, even doing my trainings in my small space, my overhead cost was not a lot. And then of course, coming into this space, I guess for me, the time and attention I needed to devote to my employees to make sure that they felt comfortable. And even just how many more clientele were calling my phone to book with other girls. And then they would be upset because they wanted to book with me. And so for me, it was also all of a sudden I had to put up a lot of boundaries and I had to make sure the clientele knew, Hey, I'm cutting back on my schedule to make sure everyone else is good. You're going to have to see some of the other girls if you can't book online and book out your appointment. So it was putting up those boundaries. Whereas before, like Tessany was talking about anyone who wanted to book with me, I said, yes, because I said, I need this experience. I need to do this. And I really enjoyed it. And so realizing how much time and energy I needed to put into my employees, realizing I'm no longer buying product for one or two people. I'm buying product for 10 people now. And how quickly when, cause I was, I loved 0.07 lashes and classic lashes. I loved doing them. But then when we switched over to mega volume and we're making these big, huge fans, those little strips and those trays are not lasting as long as 0.07 <laughs> strips yeah. are. And so it was our overhead cost in my mind was only going to double and it like triple and quadrupled because now how many people we had in and even just the disposables costs as well. 
So it was something that I didn't do enough research and I had, and I know I've talked to you guys both about this off camera. I had a coach that I worked with who said I had to do certain things with my employees to make sure that they felt really taken care of. And I was like, well, that's what I want to do. Like, I want to make sure they know that I'm on their side and I'm on their team and I want them to make good money. And I'll be transparent about this is I've not taken one dime from the salon in the two and a half years that we've been open. And actually (laughs) what I have been doing is I've been supplementing the salon from my training, my online courses, my coaching, my t-shirt sales, all those things, because I had to make sure that payroll was covered. I had to make sure supplies were covered. And that was not something I ever anticipated to do. I was like, the salon's going to run itself. Like, this is going to be great. Like, no big deal. I so appreciate your transparency in sharing this because I think this is not what people think. And you are not alone in this. In fact, I invite Paul to talk a little bit more about this because people <laughs> think, oh, it's I'm just going to be rolling in the money. And lots of times staff will look at you and think you're living high on the hog. And that is not the case. And you're not alone in this. No. This, I mean, this there's this normal. term I've seen thrown out, Lash Artist Math. I've seen thrown around on Instagram a couple of times, which I think is very funny because it is. This is Lash Artist Math because they sit down and, and they go, well, wait, if I hire someone, I give them a 50% commission, I keep 50%. And if there's seven employees, that equals up to 400%. Because it's 50% of each of those employees, you add it up, plus I keep what I make, and all of a sudden, I am going to be so flipping rich. And then the big wake-up call happens. I have talked to so many owners, and most of them are embarrassed to say it. So you've said it publicly is actually very notable. Because it, most is, it is will exceptional. Never it. They will usually say, I say, so how are you doing? They're like, oh, I'm great. And I'm like, and I, know, I usually at some point say, so do you, when you finally, with your staff right now, are you making more or less than your employees? 99% of the time, like, I make less than my 99%. Employees. Like, what do you mean you make less? You're the owner. You took all the risks. You put all the money. You train them. You pay for the marketing. You pay for the front desk staff. You pay for cleaning, all the different things. And you're making less than them? And they go, yeah, actually, in fact, I've met, like you just said, I've met other stuff. Actually, I don't make any money in my salon. I, their only money they say they make is what they, off their tips. Like, oh, I get my tip money? I keep that. Everything else is going into the salon or whatever. Well, we knew this because that's what happened with us too. Yeah. We were doing what six digits. It was well, award winning. Here's our dumb move. We took Tuss off the floor. I think it was in 2013 and 12. And we said, oh, "Okay, Tuss, let's." Get now you off I'm going to manage. You're going to become more of a manager and a trainer, and less. The, so I think we had to be working two days a week or something like that. And all of a sudden, we couldn't pay our bills. We're like, "What? I don't understand <laughs> what's happening." Because what we paid straight- all the staff were taking her people, and then they were taking home the money and commissions because we were paying. 40 to 60 percent commission rates and all of a sudden we had no money and we couldn't even make payroll not payroll we didn't pay our payroll taxes i'm like what what is happening to us i don't understand the strange thing it was just a nightmare we realized oh no we we cannot do that 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 is not profitable that's actually when we realized that we needed strategies yeah strategies is the coaching company we'll talk about that in a second but yeah but yeah we were running everything wrong so it happened to us too we were not profitable now for you when you got into this and there one of these misperceptions I see taught people like, oh, you need multiple income streams. And so one of the big ones is hire staff. Now, what are your feelings about hiring staff becoming a multiple income stream? Or passive income. Or passive income, yeah. 
<laughs> stuff costs me more money <laughs> makes me any money like bringing and uh, truly i thought this because i thought oh once i bring them on like i'll have to do less work i can eventually retire from doing lashes and they can take over my clientele and that was just a thought that i i knew to be true i knew it yeah. was true and it was going to be easy and amazing and so i look at it now and honestly like if I have to go without, like I'm good. But if I'm worried about them having to go without, like I'm stressed now about getting their books full because I know they have bills or they have things that come up or somebody has to get their car worked on. So I'm like, shit, I'm sending all these emails. I'm doing all these things like working on like, oh, should we do Google ads this week? And I love them. And they're the best people in the world. And I know that's something you guys talk about quite often is taking your time to hire the right people. And that's something I've always pride myself on is really hiring the right people for the salon and getting people in who, I mean, we were in here yesterday, I was doing a training and three of the other girls were working and we were all sitting there talking and laughing. And it's like, nobody's caddy or one of the clients said like, Oh, I know I saw you today, Maddie, but like, I normally see Brittany, like, do you mind if I book her with her again? And she's like, Oh my gosh, no, of course. Like you're Brittany's client or like we share and we don't mind. And it's like, I love that aspect of having a team. I love being able to come in and all of us are very aware that I've been very adamant that when we're in here, it's a positive environment. We're here to take care of our clients and we're in the back girl chatting, whatever. That's totally fine. But our clients come first in that regard. And like you said, Paul, my team comes first over the clients. I'm always going to have their back. If someone's yelling at one of them, I'm going to be handling it. They're not going to be welcome in here if they're treating them that way. So that's been amazing. But the worry and the stress that comes along with it. I was not prepared for. I did not expect that at all. And so that's something that obviously I'm on the hook for another three, two and a half years here. And so that's where, like you brought up strategies, I want to bring that in to make sure that there's better systems in place for when I decide to sell the business or close the doors or whatever I want to do that at least the last two and a half years, I've given them a better structure, a better leader, a better environment to see if that's something that they want to do in the future, or if they just want to go out on their own and take the client building portions into it, or the structures that have how this, the business itself is set up, even for them being solo. But yeah, it's a lot more stress than I thought it was going to be. The power of the stress. It's this. It's the, the stress that makes you drink. No, the stress that makes you, <laughs> keeps you up at night, so, and it, yeah. it makes you old inside because you become an adult. You you now are worried about other human beings, and now it's in your. If you're power. a good owner, if you're yeah. a good owner, and you care about people, you, it's what keeps you up. It makes you think. Like you said, I mean, I remember one time we promised we were going to put them on health insurance, and we weren't quite ready. I actually went and took a small loan. So I could pay for the health insurance plan so I could hold my promise to the employee. That was also the month that you decided just to eat rice. You just, was what? it? Oh, there were, yeah, we, 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 I think I ate ramen and rice or something just like that. Just to, so yeah, we just could cut all our costs. Cut the cost cut, to provide yeah, the. We, we really were like a Well, we realized that was also, you don't promise things that you, you, you can't you, deliver. You can't deliver because it will come out of your but, skin. <laughs> but the idea is that you, you as an owner, what's his name? Not Seth Godin. Simon Sinek, eaters, leaders eat last. And it's really true if you're a good leader. Now, if you're a bad leader, you'll eat first and you'll be a jerk and, and no one will stick around. But if you're a good leader and you really care about your people, you'll always be the last one to eat in a sense or the last one to get paid. And it's tough and, and it's a struggle. And especially in your case, 
doing all that and then owning a salon and all the risk and not getting paid and in fact having to supplement it. I hope people understand that is not unusual. This is not like, oh, Mackenzie doesn't know what she's doing. Oh, she just didn't do it right. No, it's not true. This is normal. normal. This is a normal thing. So you have to understand there's a lot more that goes into it. Normal for commission-based salons. But... On the flip side, and this is where Mackenzie was talking about, she may want to talk a little bit what you've been shifting or you're thinking about doing or what you, what's attracting to you. Because strategies, we're not doing this, not an ad for strategies, but we're, we're big not proponents. Affiliates, we're not yeah. affiliates or anything, but we are proponents because I believe they teach two things that every salon needs to learn. One, they teach you systems so that you can actually run your salon and they teach you about leadership. And those are your two things. If you're going to be a salon owner, you need those systems and you need to be a better leader. And if you can't do those or you can't be committed to learning those, you shouldn't be a salon Stay owner. away. Stay away. Don't bite that off. What made you decide to move in this new direction or at least exploring now this opportunity with working with strategies? I feel like two of the things that really stuck out to me last year when I was at LashCon, and I am forgetting her name. This is going to drive me nuts, but she did a little talk on Enneagrams. Oh. And I had Kate. run Kate. into Yeah, Kate. Her. Yeah. Yes. Yes, Kate. Kate. That yes. was two years I, ago, right? Yeah. Kate was two years ago. Was it? Yeah. Okay, yeah. she was two years ago. So I had run into her the day before. I was with a girl from my salon, and she was like, oh, yeah, because I've been doing – we ended up eating lunch with her. She's like, because I've implemented strategies, I was able to fly my whole team out here, pay for all of their hotels. And I was like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> And she's like, pay for all of their LashCon tickets. And then another girl I was talking to, she was like, oh, yeah, we give bonuses all the time. And I'm like, where is this money coming from? <laughs> what? Some magic <laughs> angel. Yeah. I'm like, and hearing you say like, oh, owners keep their tips. I don't even keep my tips at this yeah. point. Because I was supplementing for so long, I was like, it needs to go back into the business to make mm. sure we have product, to make sure we have the lights on, to make yeah. sure we have all this stuff. And with that being said, we're able to cover all our bills. And that's something that I had to stress about for a little while. And we've gotten to a point where I'm like, okay, I don't have to stress about this. And I'm just at a point where... I would like less stress in my life. I love what I do. I love my team. I love all of this, but I'm like, I also deserve to not have this much stress <laughs> in my life. And that's the thing too. If I had done more research when I first started, I could have avoided all of this headache. But I think like so many lash artists opening a salon, they think, oh, I'm just going to run it the exact same way. I've been running my solo business. Exactly. You simply cannot do that it's given me a lot of perspective. And honestly, if I had not done it, I would not have learned as much as I have. And I wouldn't have the insight I have. I wouldn't have the platform I have to share my thoughts on this, to maybe help someone to avoid the mistakes I make or avoid like the gal you were talking about earlier, who's racked up her credit card because she thinks I need all these nice things. I need all the good stuff, which is great and beautiful, but it's just what is more important. It's your peace and your sanity or looking cool on Instagram. And it's just, I'm at a point where I want to be able to offer more to my team. And I would like a break to be quite honest. It's like, I need a little bit. You said one thing you said, you were asking people, where does the money come from for these bonuses, for the tickets, for the healthcare, for the, for everything? Like, where does it come from? And what you will learn with strategies is that it comes from your cash flow projector. And that's a tool you're going to get. You're going to learn how to uh, project the end. You actually will get to the point where you'll be, I was able to get with a hundred bucks of what I would predict what our income would be. Like, okay, instead of going, well, we made $50,000, 50 again. I'd be like, no, no, actually this month we're only going to make 48. 
And I'd be almost within the dollar of that nail every month. So this is cool because the second thing you said was, I deserve some stress, not stress, some stress relief. I deserve peace, right? And so part of understanding that cash flow and understanding how to project it gives you that peace. All of a sudden, now you can afford these things. Now you're not scrambling. Now you're not lying awake at night. Now it's not gnawing in the pit of your stomach. Like, oh my gosh, the car, my so-and-so has car problems. Now I got to get her busy. It's like you have tools to do that. So I'm so excited for you because it's like, you are like, you, you learn, you did it wrong and you learned like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. And now you're ready and mature enough to be able to implement it. And it's going to be such a relief for you. They have a thing called incubator, which I, have you looked at that yet? Going to incubator or is that in your calendar or schedule you're thinking about? I've seen it on their website and I've looked into it. And I know I talked to Robert about it when he was at Lash Boss Summit last April, but that's not something I put on my calendar yet. I think for me too, I'm like, when's LashCon? When's LashCon? And not just because I'm talking to you guys, but that is honestly my favorite. And I like, I can't wait to go to it every year. So that's the only thing that's ever really like on my mind, but I know there are other <laughs> things that I need to do. And like, and one, one thing I wanted to touch on before we move in any different direction, I think for me too, and some people might relate to this. Some people might not. If I have a problem, I think if I ignore this, maybe it'll just go away. <laughs> Instead of being one of those people that's like, I have a problem, I'm going to tackle this right now. And of course, like with so many things I've dealt with in my life, I've learned, wow, it is so much easier to tackle the problem right when it happens and work through it and go through it and learn from someone who has been through that. So I think with the salon, it was something where I was dealing so much in my personal life that I thought this is not something that needs my time and energy and attention right now because we can float for a while and we can be okay. And it's something where I'm the one that would be quote unquote suffering by not being able to pay myself from the salon. And I just looked at it like, I don't have the energy to deal with this right now. I know one day I'm going to have the energy and I'm sure we'll get into the social media portion of things. But, and I've been open on and honest about this too. When I went through my divorce, it was like, I took a huge step back. My girls at the salon, I don't think really even saw me except for maybe once a week. Whereas before I had been here six days a week, like 8am to 6, 7pm. And I was always here. I was always available. I was ready to be there for them. And at that point I was like, I got to (laughs) go. I can't be here right now. That was something where I was like, okay, this is one of the last times I can say, if I ignore it, maybe it'll go away. Because now learning that it's so much easier to tackle a problem head on and communicate about it and work through it and ask people, Hey, have you dealt with this? Do you have something you can recommend to me? And I think one of the first times I said that Paul literally without even me finishing the sentence, you were like strategies is what you need. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm going to look into that. I'm ready. Well, give yourself some grace, Mac. I say this all the time. There are seasons in life and it wasn't the season for you before. Yeah. And now it is. Yeah, no, it's all timing. As I, as you get older, you begin to realize, oh, this season is this. Like when our kids were very little, we had a certain season where our life was really crazy. I went through a minivan season where all I did is drive our kids around for like 10 years to every activity that they had to be involved in. So there's all these different seasons. And there's seasons just, when and you're building your, your business and you're learning your skills and you're learning your craft and yeah. you don't have the same worries that you do you know, 10 years later. So, And you're still a baby salon owner. I mean, really two and a half years is, I mean, it, compared to a lot of people, that's like, seems like decades, but really that's, you're just getting your feet wet. You're just beginning to understand 
the ebb and flow of business and how it works and need for systems and need to have better budget controls and all that. And so strategies will teach a lot of that. And that's, I'm excited to see here that you were moving that direction. One of the things we, I thought would talk about because you blew up, I guess 2020 is really when you began to blow up on Instagram. Was it during COVID? Was that kind of like the season where you were like, I'm going to pivot and I'm just going hard on building this social media presence. And you were just posting like, I think a thousand reels a day, it felt like, and I couldn't stop. A thousand reels a yeah, day. I mean, it sound, felt like every other post was, Mackenzie, how's she doing this? I thought first, what got you into that? And what, how did that benefit you? And then also we want to lead into and go into a little bit, the burnout that came, followed after that and how that impacted you in a, I think in, in another way. So maybe you can explain a little bit your, your move into social media and what, how that all got started. So yes. So 2020 we went down for three months. Out. And then when we were allowed to reopen was about the same time reels came back about, and we were still in my small space and we were only allowed to work at 50% capacity, which meant oh, only wow. one person could be working at a time. And at this point I had three employees in that small, tiny little room where we could no longer work next to one another. And so what I did is I said, you guys, I'm going to give up my schedule completely except for working random evenings here and there you guys get to pick your schedule because i know all i mean at that point they were able to apply for unemployment i wasn't able to apply for unemployment because they didn't have it set up for self-employed until way later yeah so anyways i was like i am bored <laughs> i think i need to do something and so i just started making reels and at that point i was making like random makeup tiktoks and drinking TikToks, to be honest. <laughs> and like, I had gone on so many walks. And then I was like, you know what, I can be doing something more useful with my time, I can be sharing educational pieces of content, I have old content that I can repurpose. And I was like, I just need I'm such I love to think of myself as a creative person. And I was like, I need to get some of this out. And when we got into our commercial space in early 2021, we were still only allowed to work at 50% capacity. And so we had six beds in the space and three of them could be occupied. They had to be the ones that were the furthest apart from one another. And same thing. I said, you guys, like, if you want to take this schedule and work however long and much you want to, like, I'm happy to do that because at this point I'm still okay with the online courses. And 2020 is when I started coming out with my online courses. So at that point, I would come in really early in the morning <laughs> to make reels. And I was doing this almost every single day. Then I would either like take one client and then I would leave and go home and then I would edit all my reels. And so I had probably 50 to 100 drafts just ready to go at any time. And so at that point, because my team was just working and I was, I just got to do come in and do the fun content and then leave and go edit stuff. And I started coaching people virtually and I could be home to do that. Like you said, Paul, I was posting twice a day, sometimes three times a day. And that's when I was also spending an hour a day commenting on people's posts that were quote unquote newer lash artists that I could tell. And because I wanted to start building the community, I wanted to start more kind of outreach because I had seen other brands do it who had a product line. And I was like, why am I not doing this? Even though I don't have a product line, like I can still build a community. I can still get in front of more people's faces. And maybe this one simple taping trick will help them that I've posted. That was a lot. And that was really hard to keep up with. <laughs> At that point, it was a lot easier because that was my full-time job. I wasn't lashing full-time at all. I was taking maybe two or three people a week. And that's where I just would come in the morning, 
that's when I feel most creative, most on top of things. And I just had a limited free time to edit and put stuff out there. And so to follow that up with the burnout portion of it, I then started to try and schedule in once we were allowed to go back to 100% capacity. I had my clients being like, can you please like, hello, please take me back. (laughs) Like I need you. And so I opened up my schedule and I had a lot less time to devote to creating content. And so that's where I slowed down a little bit. And I think I took like two weeks off and I had people messaging me being like, are you okay? Where are you? Because it was like, I fell off the face of the earth because people had gotten, I had trained my audience that they were going to see two pieces of content from me every single day, or maybe one on Saturday, nothing on Sunday kind of thing, but it was constant uploading. And so when I took my two weeks off, I was like, oh my gosh, I've let everyone down. The whole industry was shocked, by the way. I remember people, even with us talking, like, what happened to Mackenzie? Like, she's like been a machine and burning, like, just like going crazy. And it was very odd. And then I think you, I remember you came on and you said, guys, I just, I. I need a break. Like I can't keep doing this, especially now that I know that it wasn't just you were doing content. Now you were also working and you still are managing a salon. So that basically had three full-time jobs. Yeah. So it was very wild. And I feel like after those two weeks and then coming to LashCon, that must've been, actually that must've been last year's LashCon that I'm thinking of timeline wise. And then I came back from LashCon. I was like, Oh, I'm so excited again. And like posted videos and did some other stuff. And then I was like, eh, like, I'm tired of this again. I was like, I'm doing so many other things. And so now I've gotten to the place where, I mean, I was on it. That was my job. I was spending so much time on Instagram. And I think as a word of encouragement to someone who wants to do something like that, don't get to the point where I did, where I was like, I'm just going to drop it completely. Because it got to a point where I had such high expectations for myself that if I didn't reach those expectations, I was like, well, I guess I'm an all or nothing person. So if I'm not hitting two reels a day, every single day, I might as well just stop. And it's not always going to be that way. And being able to schedule yourself in time for content is obviously going to help you actually do the content. But like you talked about, like even strategies, people... 50% of the people are actually doing those things. So when you take online courses, when you take a social media class, when you do something like that, are you actually going to implement that? Do you actually want to make changes and grow in the way that you want to? Because it's going to take that extra effort. It's going to take doing things you're not used to doing and you may be uncomfortable with until you get onto that other side of being comfortable with posting content and getting comfortable in front of the camera. So it really comes down to how bad do you want it? And I think sustainability is a a key thing to be thinking about is how sustainable is your goal? Because I see this happen all the time. I see so many people start podcasts and then they quit. I see people blow up on Instagram and then they fade away. And it's because they go so hard. It's not sustainable. You could go hard when you were COVID because you couldn't, you didn't have other work, other demands, but that's not something that you could do for 10 years unless you were to continue to put off everything else and just focus on creating reels. And by the way, just as a tip, heads up to anyone, if you've not watched McKinsey, she actually doesn't do what everyone else is doing. Like she doesn't copy every trend and just does a re. Here's my take on this same thing I've seen 80 other people do. She's actually original. (laughs) So, and I really only think there's, maybe less than five people in our industry that I follow and that I would say are 
people have creative new ideas. So kudos to you, you McKenzie, because I think you do fun stuff that I like to watch. It's new. It's different. I mean, I'm sure at some point you maybe do stuff that other people do, but I just think more times than not, you're going to be betting, beating your own drum. And I think people forget that's what makes people stand out. It's not that fact you do a reel that everyone else has done. And now it's your turn to take your take on it, which is boring. No offense to you who, if you're doing that, but be even if it's just talking about stuff. I mean, I remember you doing your coffee things where you're just talking and you're making coffee. It doesn't have to always be this high end production, right? It can be something very simple. So is there anything along the way when you were, that you saw were signs like uh, burnout? Because when you got to that point where you were not, it was hard for you and you weren't as motivated to do it. Were there any red flags that you said, I should be paying attention to this next time so I don't do this again? I think a couple things that really stuck out to me. So when I like to think about, okay, when am I going to do content, whatever, if I was super fired up about it, I could whip through 30 to 40 reels, specifically like lip syncing ones, or I would just jot down ideas and I'd be like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. Other times I would schedule out time. I would have two clients and then I'd be like, okay, I have an hour to do content. And I'd sit there and I'd scroll and I'd do whatever. And I'd be like, oh, I'm over it. Like, I don't want to do this. (laughs) And then in the back of my mind too, I'm like, well, I still want to be putting content out but like the energy isn't here so i started to follow my creative upswings and it's not going to be every single day that i feel creative and on top of it and so i started to work a little bit differently instead of thinking oh i have to do this every single day another thing i noticed is i never wanted to be on instagram i was like i don't even want to scroll (laughs) before (laughs) i would be like okay i'm going to give myself 10 minutes to scroll reels look for trending audios look for lip syncing ones that i think are going to be fun and exciting and that is exciting to me for some reason i like doing that and i see a trending audio or a lip sync that seems really funny and i'm like oh i can do that that's going to be hilarious like i can't wait to go film that and i would notice I was scrolling and I'd be like, "Mm, that one would be good, but I have no ideas for it, whatever. I'll save it and come back to it. And it's just, I noticed my interest in it really declined. Mm. That was something that was a huge (laughs) indicator for me. And it was simply because I knew that I was working more with clients, that I was communicating with my clients the whole time. I was connecting with them, which is something that I am extremely grateful for that I'm able to do with my clients. But I noticed this is where my energy is going instead of whereas before it was going fully to content and I had the energy and the excitement for it. And I no longer did because I was putting my eggs in a different basket and I was expending my energy elsewhere. Do you have any tips on how people who want to do this, maybe to sustain it a little better, like to balance it a little bit better? Is there anything you found that's helped you at this point so that you can do this? Because I know you still show up and you still do this stuff, but do you have um, any tips, I guess, for anyone who wants to, who, there's a lot of people, I'm sure, who want to be McKinsey. They like to do what you do on Instagram and or TikTok and build that following. I think as far as tips go is first and foremost, you have to set realistic goals. If you are posting once a month and you say, I'm going to post twice a day, every single day for a month, that's going to be a huge change and a big difference. So if you say, okay, I'm used to posting once a month right now, I'm going to challenge myself to post twice a week and stay active on stories. I never let it disappear in the 24 hours or whatever. I think that is a realistic goal. I think that's something where you can, I am a huge brain dumper. Like I love to take my journal or my phone notes and jot out a ton of different ideas 
and get to the point where whatever I feel like is calling me, <laughs> I'm going to start working on that. Just because I put one and number one and I'm sitting there twiddling my thumbs, not knowing where to go with it. Number seven might be the one that I'm like, you know what? I feel drawn to talk about this right now, or I'm going to make a, head, a talking head video on it or a, a carousel. And another thing to remember too, that I think people forget is you can repost content you've already posted. Yeah. Like all the time I'll go back and it'll be something I posted three months ago, something I posted a year ago. If I'm like, you know what, I'm not feeling creative right now, but I challenge myself to do this. I want to keep this promise to myself. I'm going to post this post from three months ago. And it may be, it may perform better than it did the first time you posted it because new eyeballs are on you may not perform as well. And I think another thing to also keep in mind is I have 40 something thousand followers. I have some posts that get thousands of likes. I have other posts because I'm selling get 12 likes or 30 <laughs> likes. And it's like, when looking at that, like I'm putting emphasis on the vanity metrics of things. It depends on what your goals are because I could post that one thing that gets 12 likes and I could have 10 signups on a $900 course. And that was my goal. I, I reached my goal. That post was specific to make sales and I've done that. So also keeping in mind, whereas like the funny lip syncing ones, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm hoping this one performs well, that people relate to this, that they want to share this because they think it's funny because this is what they do with their sister and it's the exact same thing. And so there's different goals for different posts and not putting so much emphasis on like, oh my gosh, only two people liked that. Especially when you're first starting, like you have to stay consistent. And I think another thing, I don't know if you guys follow Brock Johnson, but he's like an Instagram guru. And like his mom, right, is also as she blew up and then he I don't know if he was doing her Instagram and now he's become like a guru himself and he does he has a lot of good stuff. Exactly. But one thing he says that I think is really important is it's not necessarily the quality of your posts. It's the quantity of them, because the more you do, the better quality you're going to get. And something from a book that I read, it was a professor that taught photography and he told half the class come with one perfect photo and the other half of the class, I want you to submit 100 photos. And the 100 photos were so much higher quality than the students who submit the one photo because they went out and they practiced and they played with it. They played with your their aperture, with the lighting, all the different settings. Whereas the person who had to get one, they were like, mm, like I'll just get one. So that's another thing too. The more you put out there, the more you're going to refine your skills exactly like lashing. The more models you do, the better you're going to get. And it's just get out there, get out of your own way, post it. I promise you, you're not going to get trolls like you think you're going to get, or at least hopefully not. I haven't really experienced too much. No. I think there's a term that YouTube came up with, I think it was like 10, 15 years ago, that all the YouTubers would say, good enough. It just needs to be good enough. That's really your bar that you have to hit. And because if you're trying to go for excellent, you're right. You, you, that's actually the reason why a lot of people don't do anything. It is, they're waiting for that excellence. So don't wait for that. Good enough is it. And then you learn like we did. We started a podcast five and a half years ago. I, I haven't even listened to our old podcasts. And they're bad. I'm, I'm sure. scared to, but they're probably pretty bad. And it's one of those things you just learn and you grow and you get more comfortable as you do it. And we really, I felt like our growth for our podcast came when we started doing two a week. And once we moved to two a week, 
just that regular consistent production, except for during LashCon, it always gets a little messed up for a month or so. We, we go sometimes down to one a week. But that said, really, we found we grew a lot more, both our following as well as our own skills, just because we were doing it on a regular basis. And that is, I think, the key for anything, like lashing. We talked earlier, if you want to learn how to lash, well, then just do any clients. And the same thing with the posting. If you want to post, then start posting regularly. Even if it sucks, just do it. Because you're going to learn what, what your audience likes and what they don't like. And you may be shocked. Maybe some of your crappy posts that you spent no time on blow up. And other ones, I mean, I'll give you a tip. Do someone washing your lashes and you're promised to have a real go viral. I mean, I just looked at your page. You have 1.6 million people watching you clean your lashes. <laughs> and let me tell you, I was not expecting that. And that was a video that I was just, I posted that on my story yeah. because I was just like, oh, ha, it's lash day, whatever. And I, for some reason, saved the video without any text on it. And one person messaged me and was like, can you make this a reel so I can share this with my client? And I was like, sure. 10 minutes later, I made it a reel. Literally by the next morning, I think it already had like 6,000 likes. And I was like, whoa, whoa, What's going what on? happened? <laughs> like I was not, a, and it, I'm not joking. It took me six minutes to make that reel. It's not even two different clips. It's literally, it's one clip. And so I've posted a couple other cleansing my lashes videos and they, without fail, they blow up every single time. Yeah. You want to get a big hit, clean lashes and people like, I mean, we reposted your video. I think maybe my team reached out to you and said, can we post it? We posted. I think that today is still our highest reel of all time. We didn't even make it, which makes me mad, but that's <laughs> yours. And it was just funny. And then we had another gal. I don't think I know her. I think I've met her, but I don't remember her name. Her, she did a cleaning one and hers blew up on our page too. It's just so funny. It's just people like watching mm -hmm. lashes get cleansed. I don't know. It's some weird fetish or something. I don't know. <laughs> But anyhow, that said, I could keep going on, but I, I know you have a got a hard coming stop soon <laughs> and I really appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us. We should have done this like a couple years ago, but we at least got done. It's better late than never. And it won't be the last because be the last. I feel that we still have a lot to talk about. No, I would really like to dig more into your brain about social media and how you use it. Cause most people are still really confused after all these years. They still are frustrated. They don't know. And, and I would love to pick your brain on that and get your insights on that as well as talking about really online education and, and coaching and all that. Cause again, there's a lot of people moving out of the space and I think that's a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. And I think it'd be really interesting to hear your struggles and how you got there and how you built your audience and building that trust and how that all work has been working out for you because a lot of people are would like to do such in the future so we'll have to bring you back and we'll talk about those things in more greater detail so to wrap things up do you have uh let tell people where to go find you in case they're one of the few people that have never seen your page they love me under a rock. and we didn't even talk about this. you have a podcast so tell them all about where you are and where they can find you you guys can find me on Instagram at it's Mackenzie G. It's Ms. it's Mackenzie spelled with M A C K. My parents decided to also capitalize my K, so I was always bullying people to spell my name correctly when I was little <laughs> because it bothered me. So that's where I'm at on Instagram. That's primarily where I spend most of my time. I also have a podcast called Talk and Smack. That was a fun little name because I've also we talk about business. I have a lot of people on who talk about human design or social media and like website SEO. And, and then I have my friends on and we talk about dating and relationships. So it's a wide spectrum of things and it's been a lot of fun. And I've, well, that's one of the things that's been on the back burner, which I hadn't posted in probably a month. And now I'm back on in the swing of things with that. 
So another thing to remember, I think that's another thing too, like Tessania has said, and I said earlier in the episode, like give yourself grace. If it's something that you have to put on the back burner, it's okay. And obviously having those goals for yourself are also really important, but knowing like sometimes other things have to come first and it's all good and you're going to be fine. People are still going to be there when you show back up and it's okay. Um, but yeah, you can find that on Spotify, Apple, yeah. Yeah, all out but there. Yeah, Instagram is mostly where I hang. It's fun. I mean, it's definitely a diverse lineup that you do. You're like the female Joe Rogan. Whatever interests you, you're going to talk about. You're not just going to be pigeonholed into one topic or one thing. So uh, I think that's what makes it really fun. And you're just, you're, your sister and some of your friends are hilarious. So definitely, if you want a good <laughs> laugh, entertaining. Go, go watch it. It's entertaining in that sense and so forth. So thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And by the way, if you haven't bought a ticket last con, Mackenzie's going to be there. She didn't come a Officially, she was a speaker for us officially, but London Lash reached out to her and said, we're going to be doing these master classes at LashCon and Mackenzie's going to be teaching, I think twice on Saturday. And it's, I think it's a last technique class, right? Yeah. So it'll be similar to the Orlando show that we did. I thought I saw that title. June. Yeah. I thought I recognized mm-hmm. the title. <laughs> yes. So it's going to be lashing in layers and I'm so excited. You guys, LashCon is my favorite conference ever. If you haven't bought a ticket, buy your ticket because it is so much fun. The connections you make, the education that you leave with. And like, I was telling someone this on one of my podcast episodes a couple of times ago, it's like you leave and you feel like you're on fire and you're just so ready to go back to your business and make changes. Hopefully you're not some of that 50% of the people yeah. who don't make any changes yeah. at all, but but yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so excited. I'm going to have you guys on my podcast because I know I have a million questions and I could talk to you guys all day long. So yeah. I wish I didn't have this client. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. okay. So I can just keep talking to you. I, I actually have to go back to work on last class. I know. It's a, like, oh, good. At least we only do this for an hour instead of for two hours because now I can get back to getting ready so we can make LashCon ready for you. And it's going to be fire. Awesome. Yes. And I like the idea that you leave feeling like you're on fire. I that love that. Is so, that's like it, a t-shirt, man. Yeah. In fact, maybe we'll show a LashCon t-shirt. Where we'll have Lash Sponge being on fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I love it. All, All right. right. Well, thank you so much. Love you. Thank you, guys. Hey, guys, that's a wrap. We are done. We are out of here. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Please follow us on Instagram at LashCast and at the Lash Conference. And remember to subscribe, share, and review. On behalf of my Lash Pack, Tustany, as well as our special guest, Mackenzie, I want to thank you for taking some time to listen. Keep on lashing. And remember, you have a friend in the lash industry.